Welcome to the Thread and Ladle podcast, where we share conversations about living a handmade life and inspire each other to practice daily acts of creativity. I'm your host, Beatrice Perrin Dahlin. You're listening to episode four, Color. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to ask you to bear with me. This podcasting thing is very new to me, and I'm still learning how to get the best sound quality. I hope you'll notice a positive difference in today's sound quality from the last episode because I've had a few equipment upgrades. Of course, you can always let me know that in my Thread and Ladle Ravelry group or by sending me a message. Color affects everything. It affects the way we perceive things out in the world, perhaps your favorite Instagram feed, and it affects the way we feel. It can lift up a mood, and it can make us feel uncomfortable in our own skin. It can make us stop dead in our tracks to take note of something, and it can make us feel calm and peaceful. It's all around us. People are always using it to communicate with us, and yet how often do we stop and pay attention to it? After today's episode, I hope you'll do just that. Make note of the color schemes around you, the things that you see out in the world and the way people are using color to communicate things with us all the time. And I hope you'll find ways to pull them into your own creative practice. I'm so excited to be talking about color today. Though you might not guess it from my wardrobe, which consists of a lot of neutrals, grays, and muted tones, I love to geek out about color. I went to art school, and you can't leave art school without a fair amount of color theory. I've spent hours trying to get just the right color of ink by adding a dab of this or that. I love how just a drop of blue and red can shift a color subtly in one direction or the other. One of my favorite activities that I did in college was when I spent time uh, working with some local students in the local school. Uh, We had spent time doing portraits with these children, and... The first lesson was how to how to get how to mix paint to get your own color skin. And that was such a brilliant activity because all of these children from around the world of all different races and colors basically learned that we're all made up of the same three colors. And maybe you have a dab more pink or a dab more red and a dab more blue. And I have a dab more yellow. But essentially, we're all made of the same colors, and just a tiny bit of yellow or a tiny bit of red can make the difference in matching somebody's skin tone. There's such a spectrum of the way people feel about color. There are those I've met who who claim they can never pick the right colors, who don't know where to start. And then there's people who inherently understand color, just make beautiful things, make color sing for them, and maybe they're not sure about why it all works. And then likely, maybe there are some of you out there who are color experts. Maybe you've had some training in color as well. And I'd love for you to chime in on the conversation, either in the thread or on Instagram. I've often heard knitters rue the moment when it comes time to make a choice about color, and especially about how to combine color. My hope is that if you're one of those people, you'll leave today's episode with a little bit more confidence and enthusiasm for color. And for those of you who maybe love color already and know how to make it work for you, maybe you'll leave today's episode with a little bit more understanding of why your color choices work and maybe a little bit of language to talk about those. And maybe you'll find new ways to experiment too. 
While you're probably listening today because you're a knitter, the color lessons in today's episode are not strictly about knitting. They can be applied to any number of crafts or life situations. Now, we're going to start by talking about the color wheel. For the purposes of this conversation today, and probably most any color theory conversation you would have in life, we're going to be referencing the color wheel. There are many versions of the color wheel. There's there's no standard. Um, But at its most basic, it is a circle that includes red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. It can include even more colors than that, though. And there are examples of this on my website that I've made out of yarn, and there's also links to other color wheels that you can find online in the show notes. In the color wheel, each of these colors is sort of a slice of the pie, so to speak, in the circle, each one with two neighbors. If you can imagine sort of the rainbow in the sky turning into a pie with all of those colors meeting, uh, it's sort of like that, although instead of indigo and violet, we're just going to use purple. If you are listening in a place and time that allows you to pull up an image of a color wheel on the internet, then it's super helpful to do that now as we're discussing. There is one on the blog post of this episode, like I said, Um, and if you can't do that right now, definitely do that later so that you have the visuals to help explain some of these topics that we're, we're touching on today. And maybe there are some of you out there who are already familiar and can pull up an image of a color wheel in your brain. A color wheel generally includes both primary and secondary colors, and it can also sometimes include tertiary colors. Now, probably most of you learned in kindergarten what primary colors are. They're red, yellow, and blue, and those are the colors that you can't get by mixing any other two colors together. You probably learned also in kindergarten that when you mix yellow and blue, you get green, and when you mix red and blue, you get purple. And those colors are secondary colors. They're created by mixing two primary colors together. So those are purple, green, and orange. Tertiary colors are made by mixing a secondary color and a primary color. For instance, teal or turquoise, which could also be called green-blue, or bright green that is made with yellow and green, which could also be called chartreuse. These are not always included on the color wheel, but for today's episode, we're going to be referencing a color wheel that also has tertiary colors because it just opens up a lot more possibilities of color combinations. All of these could be called by the two colors they are mixed with, for instance, red, orange. But to make things more clear on today's podcast, I'll be referencing the tertiary colors like this. Vermilion for the orange combined with red. Magenta for red combined with purple which could also be maroon, violet, which is purple combined with blue, teal, which is blue combined with green, chartreuse, which is green combined with yellow, and amber, which is yellow combined with orange. You could call those by any name, but for today's episode, it would be kind of confusing to say yellow and yellow-orange, so we're going to use those names for today. Here's a few other important terms for today's conversation. Hue and value. These are really important words when you're talking about color. Hue refers to the color, red, green, or blue, while value refers to the lightness or darkness of a color. For instance, pink would probably fall within the red area of a color wheel, but it is a lighter value of that color. It's basically just red with white added in. Of course, you can get different hues of pink by adding in blue or yellow, 
Likewise, a light lilac purple might simply be the same standard purple that is on, on our color wheel, but with more white in it. So every color on the color wheel has different values. Harmony is when we are creating something. I'm sure maybe many of you have heard of harmony in music when all the sounds sound beautiful together. Well, this also happens in color. We're, we're looking for color harmony when we combine colors. Not too many of us are looking for like terrible color combinations. So we're looking for the, co the colors to be harmonious. And we're going to start with the color wheel. Now, the other thing you, that you might think about is warm and cool colors. Uh, probably most of you are also familiar with these terms, but warm colors refer to red, orange, and yellow, and all of the colors in between those, while cool colors refer to blue, purple, and green, and the colors within that. While it sounds simple, warm and cool colors can be quite complex. There is no end to the colors that can be created in the world. You could keep adding, you know multiple colors in between all of the colors on the color wheel. And even blue can be painted with just a touch of red, pushing it more towards warm. To get a feel for this, try playing with the warm setting on your Instagram app or in another photo editor. It might be really interesting. So some of the other, so warm and cool is a color scheme that you could choose in a project, right? Some of the other color schemes are analogous colors which are colors that are next to each other on the color wheel. When I've taught children color theory, we call this friends on the rainbow. A few analogous color combinations would be green and blue or orange and yellow. And again, if you're including tertiary colors, then there are even more possibilities. For instance, blue and turquoise or teal. Now, complementary colors this is an important one too. So if you're if you're not already familiar with complementary colors, these are colors that are across directly across from each other on the color wheel. If we're just looking at our standard six color color wheel that includes primary and secondary colors, then the color complementary color combinations would be red and green or Christmas, purple and yellow, and blue and orange. When you include tertiary colors, the the possibilities open up even further. Now, split complementary color scheme is one of my favorites. To figure out a split complementary color scheme, you first look at two complementary colors. Then you take one of them, and instead of using that color, you use those, the two, on either side of it on the color wheel. So let's start by taking the complementary colors blue and orange. Now, instead of orange, I'm going to choose the two colors on either side of orange on the color wheel. So I would be using blue, vermilion, and amber. I think this is a brilliant way to choose colors for color work especially. Sometimes complementary colors can be kind of garish because they, they bounce off of each other, and which is what makes you see each of the colors, but it can, it can be an eyesore sometimes. So I think the split complementary kind of tones it down just a little. I think it's a really lovely way to still get some contrast in your colors uh, without making it quite so garish. And of course, in either of those, you can take the color and change the value of either of them. We'll talk about that a more a little bit in a little bit. Now, triad, like complementary colors, a triad uses colors that are across from each other on the color wheel, but instead of two colors that are directly across from each other, it uses three that form a triangle. So if you were to put a perfectly shaped equilateral equilateral triangle on top of the color wheel, 
the three colors it lands on would be the would be a triadic color scheme. And of course you can move it around. It does it's to make multiple color schemes with a triadic harmony. So this could be teal, maroon, and amber, or it could be green, purple, and orange. There are a lot of color combinations. And likewise, you can apply this principle with other shapes as well. For instance, a rectangle or a square, which would be called a tetradic color scheme. These color schemes are not as easy to find on the color wheel if you're sort of using it with the naked eye, like maybe you're in a yarn store and you pull up a color wheel because you just don't know where to start. It can be a little bit trickier to find the tetradic or the triadic color schemes without a little help, but there's lots of tools online to help you do so. Um, so you might want to play with around with those and go with a list of possibilities when you're choosing your yarns. So today, we're just going to mostly make mention of them so that you're aware that they exist and definitely check some of the links in the show notes if you want to explore those further. Now, monochromatic is probably one you're familiar with, though I think when we all think monochromatic, we often think black, white, and gray. But the truth is that you can get a monochromatic color scheme by taking any color on the color wheel and having two or three or four or more values of that color. So for instance, you might have a dark green, a light green, uh, and maybe even a white that just has a touch of green. That would also be a monochromatic color scheme. Now, I touched on this already, but there are ways to tweak these color schemes. If you look online at the images, you're gonna find that in general, when you find information about color theory online, all of the colors that you're looking at are the same value. But you can tweak that, like I mentioned before. So if you have red and green, you want a, com com a complementary color scheme, you could push that red, add black, add some black to it and make it a dark, dark red. Add some white to the green and make it a light, light green. That's still a complementary color scheme, but you've changed the value of the colors within that scheme. I could also go one step farther and get rid of one of those and pull in a color beside it. So for instance, maybe I want to do a split complementary colors, right? And uh, I've, ch I've chosen red and green, but then I choose the two on either side of the red and green. Maybe I like those three colors. And then maybe I pull in different two different values of one of those colors. So I can pull and mix and match, and you could you could choose a monochromatic scheme, right? Maybe you, you choose all oranges, all different shades of oranges, but then you pull in one color of blue for a little color pop. So there's different ways to mix and match the color schemes and play with adjusting the value so that you can get a lot of different options. There's no rules, and you're just using the schemes as a jumping off point for exploring color. Now, I wanted to talk about context a little bit because this is important in knitting. Today's episode is a lot of information, so hopefully nobody is lost yet. Hopefully some of you are thinking, yes, now I know how to choose colors for my next project, and I just want you to pause a little bit because the context in which you are applying color is really important. Whether you're making a quilt or a striped baby sweater or maybe a fair isle hat, the context for each color in the project is very different. Personally, 
I can talk about color and choose yarns, but I find it especially difficult to find the right color walls for my home. That's a context in which I struggle with color. So this is especially important to note in the case of color work. Color work differs wildly from stripes or color blocking. There's a lot of way to apply color in a project, and color work is its own beast. So while many of the color combinations we've mentioned already would be excellent ways to pick colors for something like a sweater that are a striped sweater, they might not work for color work. And here's why. Often colors that look beautiful together in the skein on a table don't look wonderful together in color work because the colors are mixed together and sort of pixelated in a unique way that doesn't happen when you're doing stripes or color blocking. It's difficult for the eye to see the different colors if there's not enough contrast between your colors in color work. Now, there's no right or wrong here. You might love what people refer to as the muddy look of color work, right? But if you don't love that look, then hue and value are really important. If you remember, hue refers to the color, red, green, or blue, while value refers to the lightness or darkness of that color. To get a nice contrast for your colors and your color work, it's important to choose different values so that you don't get muddy color work if that's not what you're going after. If you're stuck and you're unsure if two colors are different values because it can be hard, perhaps you have a blue and an orange or a red and a green, uh, it can be hard to tell if they're different values because what your eye sees is the color. So the photo trick is really handy. So using the camera on your phone, take a picture of the colors you are considering. Now change it to black and white, which will remove all the color information and let you see the value alone. So to do this, take a picture, pull up the picture on your phone. Now this is for iPhone. I'm not sure if it's the same for Android. On the bottom, you'll click on the three lines with dots on them. That brings you to another menu that has three overlapping circles at the bottom. Click on that. And on the second setting, the one that says mono, that's the one you want to choose. Now your photo is just black and white, so it's removed all the color information, leaving only the value information because that's the part that can be difficult for our eye to see. So do your colors look the same in black and white or do they look different? So if they look the same, you're going to probably have a muddy color work. If they look different in black and white, then your color work is going to have more definition. And like I said, there's no right or wrong here, but knowing what you're after and being able to control it is going to give you something that you're happier with. So if you're in doubt and you're not sure what I'm talking about, and you really want definition in your color work, I find that with a medium or a dark color, it's always almost good with white. And likewise, black, navy, or a dark color with uh, a light color usually works well too. Now, color dominance is also important. So if you don't know about color dominance and you do a lot of Fair Isle, you should definitely uh, look into this. In all color work, there is a dominant color and a color that recedes into the background more. And I talked about this a little bit in episode two, uh, circular, Circular Yolks. So even if you don't understand color dominance, it's important to always hold your yarns the same way, in the same hands, or in the same order. And in general, the strand or float held below on the wrong side of the fabric will be the dominant color, while the strand held on top will be the background color. And for me, the the strand that I hold on the left is usually the dominant color. Whew, that was a lot of information. Are you still with me? 
So in creating visuals for this episode, I had to find a yarn company or wanted to find a yarn company that had true colors for the basic primary, secondary, and tertiary colors. And you can see the visuals I created on the, on the blog post for this podcast. That was really challenging. I wanted to find colors that were really true to the color wheel. But finding a company that had all the colors I needed was super challenging. And so I've done the best that I could. And you can see in the color wheel that some of them are not quite right. And then some of them didn't photograph quite right. Uh, And some of them have different values. So some of them are darker and some of them are lighter. You'll see what I mean. But I felt like it was important to have a yarn color wheel. And so those are the ones I've chosen. But I've also linked to the more traditional color wheels. And if you scroll down to the bottom of this show... Uh, the uh, the show notes, then you'll find the links there. The yarn used today was from Quince & Co., which is a great, great uh, yarn company with a wonderful color selection. I'll, I'll provide a link in the show notes. Some other great companies that have great color selections are Harrisville Designs, uh, Alifos Lopi, and Barocco's line of Ultra Alpaca. And if you out there uh, have any other great suggestions, then please make note of it on Instagram or in the Ravelry group, because there's many more out there, and I encourage you to share them with me on in those places. And they're, not that you have to use those yarns, for instance, per, per se, but if you're looking for uh, a really great uh, color selection, those are great places to start. I wanted to address a couple of listener questions before we signed off today. So the first one was, any suggestions for buying colors online? I like to look at the colors together. And that's a really tough one. I don't think it has a great answer. Uh, My best suggestion would be to get a color card. And especially you can cut the color card up and move things around um, because your screen is often not accurate to the color. And um, so you could do that. And some companies actually have printable color cards. So if you don't want to, if if they charge for a color card and you don't want to pay, then that's another option. Though keep in mind, your printer may not print it true to color. The other question was, when pairing colors, should they be high contrast or subtle? So I sort of touched on this a bit, but it depends on what you're after. And in a striped sweater or a color block sweater, it's not going to matter as much as in color work, and you can choose high contrast or you can choose subtle. There's no right or wrong here, but knowing what you're after and using it nicely in a, in a motif is, takes practice and thought. So just be thoughtful about how you're using it. If you are doing a, a motif that, like my 10 show pullover is all sort of line work in this color work chart, chart uh, then in that context, a subtle motif, a subtle color contrast is is not going to be good. It's going to get lost and you're not going to be able to see the lines. So in that specific sweater, I would choose something high contrast. So it's up to you to think about what you're working on and what you want the, the finished result to be like and just know know what you're after. And hopefully after today's conversation, you feel a little bit more like you can do that. Whew, that was so much information. So Whether you got stuck in choosing colors or love color and didn't know why some schemes worked and others didn't, I hope you got something out of today's episode. I know it's a lot of information and a lot of talking. So I encourage you to stop by the blog post of this episode to see some of the visuals of the schemes I've talked about today and definitely click on the links at the bottom of that post. And of course, this is really only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to color theory. Color theory is a vast subject that goes way beyond today's conversation. 
If you're hoping to learn more, then my suggestion to you would be to buy a small set of paints. This would be a great starting place to explore color. A student set of watercolor paints can be very meditative to play with, and mixing colors is the best way to learn more about the complexity of colors. I also urge you to just pay attention to your surroundings. Logos, packaging, street signs, clothing, apps, your favorite Instagram feed probably has a color story too. All of these use color in some way or another, and the more you pay attention to it and just think critically about it, the more you'll learn simply by paying attention to your environment and how the world around us is using color. And of course, there are so many more resources out there for those of you hoping to learn more. There's a great tool online called Adobe Color CC, which I've also linked to in the podcast in the show notes. Um, It's a super fun tool to play with, and it's free to play around with. You can experiment with it, and um, you can drag the circle around it and change the color schemes. You can choose uh, complementary or triadic. uh, And if some of this isn't making sense, play with that, and maybe some of it will start to make sense. After today's episode, I thought it would be fun to do a color challenge on Instagram. I'd really love to see what you do with the information of today's episode, and I'd especially love to get a conversation started, as I think we'll learn more if we continue this conversation beyond today's episode. So to participate, you can post any kind of color picture. Maybe there are things you've seen in your travels, maybe it's a project that you've already knit, Or maybe you play with the colors in your stash and just lay them side by side to explore some of the color theory and ideas I talked about today. Post a picture and use the hashtag color theory for knitters to participate. You can post as many photos as you'd like, and I'd love for you to tell us more about the colors in the photo. I really can't wait to see what you share. Would love to have more conversations about this. And I just want to take a minute to remind everybody about the Yokes Knit Along that's happening in my Thread and Ladle Ravelry group, which I'll link to in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me on the Thread and Ladle podcast today. I would be so delighted if you could take the time to leave a review on iTunes. It helps this podcast reach interested listeners, and it helps me continue to produce it. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes are posted, be sure to sign up for my email newsletter at threadandladle.com slash newsletter. For today, I wanted to leave you with this quote from Georgia O'Keeffe. I found I could say things with color and shapes that I couldn't say any other way, things I had no words for. I hope you'll join me next time for episode five. Thank you for joining me today on the Thread and Ladle podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes are posted or when I publish new knitting patterns, you can sign up for my email list at threadandladle.com newsletter. You can also find me on Ravelry and on Instagram under the handle at threadandladle. Until next time, may you find joy and creativity in your days.